Okay, if you take a look at your screen, so there's three images that you have right in front of you. You have over here something that many people might experience from day to day. You have a group of business people, corporate America, they're in the boardroom, and hopefully they're doing something very productive. They're changing the world. They're making money. They're making a difference. They're inventing new things. And hopefully, genuinely, as many of you might find yourself in this situation day in, day out, hopefully they're making the world a better place. There's nothing wrong with this. It's beautiful. They look like wonderful people, and I'm sure they're doing wonderful, wonderful things. If you take a look at this picture, you get a very different feel. You get a feel of this fellow, maybe it's this guy, just didn't shave in a couple of days, right? But you see, he's sitting there, he's on the top of the mountain, and he seems to be in peace. He's sitting in the lotus position, his hands are open in the receiving pose. And then if you look at the top of your screen, you see a beautiful family, maybe it is the same guy, who knows? You see, Mom and dad, they're laughing with their kids. They seem to be joyous. They seem to be connecting. And I want to know, and you don't have to answer this out loud, but answer this for yourself. Which one of these pictures inspires you the most? Which one of these pictures, when you look at it, wakes something up inside of you and says, that's what life should be? What do you think? Which picture inspires me the most? Yeah. Definitely the top right. Top right. That's the family. Yes. Okay, family. There's something that someone might look at that picture and say, that's what life should be. Life is about family, it's about joy, it's about togetherness. Well, not everybody would agree with that. I think many people would say, well, no, life is an internal journey because people can feel this, but yet, you know, you know many people that have beautiful families and still feel completely empty. So it's about going inward, it's about quiet. It's about finding that space, that mindful space inside. Well, others will say, well, no, it's, it's not about, I mean, this is all nice and it's necessary, but this is what it's about. To go along, go out, change the world, make a difference, build, be someone, turn into something, accomplish. So you have these different, different phases. And of course, what does Judaism say? What does Judaism say? Which one of these is the ideal, is the ideal picture of what it means to live a full life? Well, obviously, the answer is all three of them. Now, again, not every religion might say that. Some religions might point to one of these pictures, or some movements might point to one of these pictures, some practices, some belief systems might point to one of these pictures and say, that's the ideal. But in Judaism, we would actually say that all three of them are the ideal. But here's the difficult thing, and that is that in Judaism, when we look at this, let's just take this picture out for a moment. When we look at this picture, we look at this picture, we see two very, very different scenes. Maybe this is... They see you now. Uh, yeah, I think they see me pointing. Well, you see two very different scenes. You say, okay, this is one thing, this is, maybe these are two completely different people, or maybe this is him when he was younger, or maybe this is him over the summer, right? We see two different things. In Judaism, these three pictures aren't three different times. They're not three different phases. These are three different mindsets that have to be happening all at once. This guy and this guy are the same guy at the very same moment. 
Self-mastery means when you can be here and you can be here at the exact same moment and you see that there is no contradiction. You can be in your doing self, you can be in your being self, you could be in your accomplishing self, and you could also be in a place of inner peace. So we, we're trying to bring all of these things together. But here's the thing, you can't do it all at once. We cannot be on all these places simultaneously unless we learn how to be in all of these places exclusively. And once we've mastered this world, and we've mastered this world, and we've mastered this world, then we can bring it all together. We can be 100% here, 100% here, and 100% here, all at the same time. Okay, so there's this beautiful idea and the Talmud actually tells us about this encounter that God says to Moshe, you know, Moses, I have this very special gift for you. It is in my treasure house. He calls it in Hebrew, Beit Genazai. In my treasure house, I have this, this gift. And this gift is called Shabbos. Shabbos Shema, Shabbat Shema. Shabbat is its name. And I'm going to give it to the Jewish people. I'm going to give it to Israel. And literally, like if you can imagine, like a beautiful gift that's wrapped up, God tells Moses, I'm now going to be presenting the Jewish people with these gifts. And as you see, the arrows pointing to that one of the Ten Commandments, which actually tells us that on the Ten Commandments, it says that we shall remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Meaning it is our, it's one of the Ten Commandments to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. What exactly does this mean? And how do we understand that the gift that God has given us, this beautiful present that we can unwrap, is tapping into remembering? What is the power of remembering? Now, this is a, just a very, very, very powerful mindset just to remember that this is something that the Talmud says, this is God's gift to humanity. Again, there's so much, if you look at the world, right, life is a gift, our children are a gift. There's so many things that you can say, this is God's gift. But yet, when it comes to Shabbat, that is the one thing that the Talmud, that our sages, the Jewish tradition identifies, this is God's gift, this is God's present, this is a present to you. And what is that present? What is the gift? What? So you're telling me that I have to, you know, what, what exactly is the gift? What, what is it that God gave us? I, if, if whatever I'm doing on Shabbat, I think I'm doing it. Many people are, are, are familiar with the fact that Shabbat comes along with some rest restrictions. That's a gift. A gift telling me that I have to modify my game. I can't live my life exactly the way I want to. Where's the gift in that? We're going to get to that in a moment. You know, if you look over here at the Ten Commandments, so, you know, there are 613 mitzvot in the Torah, 613 commandments. Most of them we don't really can practice nowadays, but a large number we can. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments is not a book of mitzvot. It's not a, a list of mitzvot. Right? If you take a look at the Ten Commandments, most of the things, the first couple of them have to do with how we believe in God, right? Believing in God, not making other gods. Not taking God's name in vain. It's about our relationship with God. The rest of the Ten Commandments are all about how having a civilized world. The Ten Commandments aren't keep kosher. They're not, you know, light 
the, the, the light the Hanukkah menorah, where to sit, right? You don't find any religious action. There's nothing religious about the Ten Commandments. Yeah, you'll find the most not religious person out there. And every single one of the Ten Commandments should apply to them. Even believe in God, right? The big, uh, the ch- uh, big tragi- tragedy of the mindset of our generation is that we think that God and religion are connected, right? You don't, it could be completely not religious, right? God is a basic, is, 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 is a basic perception of how you process the world around you. Don't kill, don't steal. This is about being a sane human being. And yet, just stuck in over here completely in an unexpected way is, remember the Shabbat. It's the one thing that doesn't belong. What are you talking to me about religion? In the middle of the Ten Commandments, it has no place here. Before we answer that question, let's just take a look over here, just very, very quickly, just to read through, um, to see um, in the, 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 the portions in the Torah that speak about Shabbat. So what is it? what do we know about Shabbat from the Torah? So it says, on the seventh day, God finished the work that he'd been doing, he rested on the seventh day from all the work, and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. Okay, so we know now, we know Shabbat is a gift. We know that Shabbat is a blessing. We know that Shabbat is holy, because on it, God rested from all the work of creation. What does it mean, God rested? Well, now if we jump and we take a look over here, Shemo chapter 31, that's the second book of the Torah, and it says the Jewish people shall keep Shabbat, Observe Shabbat throughout the ages. I can't see it well on my screen. Shabbat throughout the ages as a covenant for all time. It shall be a sign for all time between me and the people of Israel. For in six days God made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day he rested. What does that mean he rested? Well, now the Torah gives us a little bit more of an insight. He gave the world its soul. What happened on Shabbat? The world got its soul. Okay, so what do we know now? We know Shabbat is a gift. We know Shabbat is blessing. No Shabbat is holy, but we also know that there's something that is transcendent about Shabbat. On Shabbat, it became holy. And this really opens up to us the secret behind what is it that's behind Shabbat? What are we supposed to be tapping into? What are we supposed to be awakening in ourselves on Shabbat? I would say this is tip number one, if you saw my post for the tips and tricks. So I would say here goes for tip number one. So I think it's super, super important to recognize that Shabbat is literally a mindset. You can have somebody who can go through the entire Shabbat and technically keep to all of its level of observance and all of the, you know, the things that they're not supposed to do and and somewhat do the things that they're supposed to do. But if they're not in the proper mindset, if they're not even tuned in to the wavelength that they're supposed to be tapping into, then they may have missed the boat. And I think it also goes the opposite way, that sometimes a person may not be able to do all of the things, but if they can really tap into the mindset and get into the space, they're able to access a lot of the power of Shabbat. So I think that I just want to, I want to, preface this idea by mentioning, you know, we talk a lot about how Judaism is not all or nothing. It's definitely an idea that we we discuss a lot. And I just feel that it's necessary to say that the more consistently one can get into somewhat of a Shabbat routine, whatever that looks like, whether it's a certain mindfulness or a mindset, and we're going to go through the things now, but the more consistent 
then the, the easier it is to feel the benefits that Shabbat comes along with. So, um, you know, if you try it once, and let's say like this weekend, that's the weekend that you're trying it out for this incredible global push. And thank you to Rabbi Warren Goldstein, um, you know, who started this Shabbat project. And if that's something that you want to tap into, that's incredible. And also, if you do it more consistently, you're going to be able to really make it a part of who you are and, a, and really the, the whole, all the benefits that come from this beautiful day, which, you know, go back to that initial slide, which we're going to very much discuss, but about the merging of all those types happen, the more consistently that we're tapping into this. Absolutely. So if you take a look, and I specifically chose these pictures when I, when I um, put together this slideshow about Shabbat being a mindset. Because over here, we obviously have the difference between the a typical mindset and, a, and, and, and what, we, what we'll call the Shabbat mindset. And, and I want to explain what that means for a moment. Jewish mysticism, Kabbalah, as, and, and, and many other Jewish texts teach the following. Every single human being, everyone on this call, and every human that you pass in the street, that you encounter, when God puts us here in this world, we're programmed with a certain, we have a certain inner wiring, a certain way that we as human beings will react and interact with the world. And some people have more of certain things and some people have less of certain things, but we all have to deal with a certain amount of, of, of both struggle and success. There is no person that's walking the face of this planet that doesn't lose their temper. Okay, it's part of the inner wiring of being a human being. If you lose your temper, you're like, I have such a bad temper, right? Don't get down on yourself. You're a human being, and because of that, that means that God programmed you with a temper. If you are lustful, you have desire, you have passion, right? And therefore, and again, if it becomes an unhealthy addiction, we have to deal with that. But you're not a bad person because you're lustful, because God programmed human beings to be lustful. Maybe men more than women, I don't know. I've only been a man. Right? So there's many, many things that are many struggles that are part of our wiring, who we are as human beings. Stress and anxiety. This constant feeling that I belong somewhere else. For me, I'm going to be the, the personal right now. Right? When I'm working, I feel like I should be with my family. When I'm family, I should feel like I'm working. When I'm working on one thing, I feel like I should be working on something else. When I'm looking inwards, I feel like I should be outwards. When I'm outwards, I feel like I should be looking inwards. Right? You need one of these bracelets. You need one of these bracelets. That would be weird if I, if I walked around <laughs> with that. But, but, you know, but that's, that's what we call anxiety is always the feeling that I'm not enough. I'm not doing enough, right? And because of that, I can't slow down. My mind can't slow down. My mind is a mess of voices telling me that I am not doing enough. That is part of the inner wiring. Well, here is the secret to all of Judaism, to all of Judaism and all of spirituality. What God programs us with struggles that we have to overcome. And then God gives us spiritual tools and says, if you practice this tool, I'm going to give you the tools that over the course of a lifetime, you'll become stronger and stronger and overcome those struggles. There is one main 
tool that God, there's many tools, but there's one main tool that God has given us that says that with this tool, you can overcome the anxiety, the stress, the turmoil, the fear. And that tool is Shabbat. There's many things. You can do mindfulness. You can, you, you, you can go to years and years of therapy. But, but the, the, the spiritual tool that God says this is the most effective, and again, it doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean, boom, you keep Shabbat, right? Obviously, no matter how, everyone who's keeping Shabbat is trying to get to the next level. But as we grow in Shabbat, the more we have this tool to overcome this, uh, this human struggle, this human struggle that's called always thinking that I need to be somewhere else. Why is that? And this is what we say that God gave, God, God rested on the seventh day and God gave the world its soul. This is what we mean when we say Shabbat is a gift. Because when God created the world, God said the following. For six days of the week, I'm taking a step back. Taking a step back doesn't ever mean that God is stopping. God never stops interacting, but God does conceal himself. And what, when God conceals himself, that means if you want something to happen, you have to make it happen. If you want a better world, then you can't sit on the top of a mountain. You need to be in that boardroom. You need to be interacting. You need to be doing something. What are you doing with your life? And that question that we've asked ourselves, that we've asked our kids, right, that we want to know, from, hey, what do you do for a living? We meet someone new. What do you do? What do you do? That question is only relevant for six days. When God created the world, God said, for six days you should work. That means God said, I'm, not, I'm asking you for, for six days to make the world a better place. You are not obligated on the seventh day of the week to make the world a better place. Nobody can ask you on day seven, what are you doing for the world? Nobody can ask you on day seven, hey, what do you do for a living? That question is not relevant on the seventh day. On the seventh day, you are a Tibetan monk. On the seventh day, you have a right to climb to the top of a mountain and be completely, be completely in tune with yourself. The gift of Shabbat is God says, whatever you're not doing on the seventh day, I'm giving it to you as a gift. You will not lose out. Your life will not, you will not accomplish anything less in this world because you keep Shabbat. This is my gift to you. This is a day to go inwards. So because of that, Shabbat is a, is a mindset. And, 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 and once we develop that mindset, when we go back into the week, we constantly, it's a reminder to us that everything that I'm doing is really just my way of effort to bring God out of his concealment. On day seven, I don't have to do that. If I believe that, if I believe in God, if I believe in my Judaism, if I believe in the system, then I have no problem in saying, I'm going to disconnect from everything and I'm just going to be, I'm just going to exist. Sorry, I was long-winded. I apologize for that. Okay, how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we develop this mindset over the course of Shabbat? And just, I'm sorry, just before we go to this slide, I just want to, one, one more thing. If you take a look at the saying on the bottom, it's such a wonderful saying. Shabbat isn't about not doing. It's about just being. We, we always encourage people for the, to, to do the Friday nights, but let's not forget, right? Shabbat, really, as much as you can do, really Shabbat is over a 25-hour period. As much as you can do is amazing. 
as much as you are doing, there's always more. It's always more beautiful. It just gets better. It just gets easier. It just gets more wonderful. We're going to focus now a little bit more on Friday night and the meaning behind things on Friday night. Before we get into the actual Friday night, does anyone want to ask any questions at this point? Any questions on, on, on what we said around this concept? Okay, take note of the following picture. It's actually, I don't know if you guys ever, you probably did recognize this thought, um, but this is a very, very fascinating idea. And that is that we light two individual candles. You know, there is a tradition that for each child that you have, you light an additional candle. For each child that you bring to this world, you start adding a, a candle. But we always, no matter what, whether you have children, whether you don't have children, whatever it is, you always would light two candles for Shabbat regardless. You start off with two candles, and we're going to discuss it a little bit at the end, but you'll notice that the Havdalah candle at the end of Shabbat. That's this one on the right over here. Right. Um, that is always one flame, but required in that one flame is always two, at least two wicks. Okay, so it's the merging of the two individual candles into one. And the idea is the following. And whether you light candles, whether it's the woman in the house who lights candles, or the man in the house who lights the candles, or the whole family who light the candles. And this week, by the way, Shabbat is, is really early. I believe that it's Shabbat candle lighting is at 441. Is that even yeah, I think, think candlelighting is at 441. Because we called for 425, the pre Shabbat. Yeah, I believe candlelighting this week is at 441. And when you light candles, there's so many thoughts about the lighting of the candles. But here, here goes for one. That is that essentially, when this from the moment that Shabbat begins, we are actually given this extra soul, this extra, as we say in Hebrew, this extra neshama. We all know that we are all, when, when God created us and God gave us the ability to exist in this world, he blew into us a piece of him, and that's called the neshama. That's the soul, the inner soul that we have inside of us. That's the spark of godliness. That's a whole, you know, we can spend forever on what the soul is. But what we might not realize is that on Shabbat, for that 24-hour period, we're actually given this gift of a higher soul. Um, an enlightened soul. And the, the, when you light those two candles, one beautiful idea is almost that you're lighting for both of the souls that are going to be existing within you. So the idea is that we're really striving towards grabbing onto this higher soul, this enlightened soul, because the lower soul, our regular soul, which is funny because you don't normally refer to our, the soul inside of us as a lower soul. You know, you think of it as like, that's the most elevated part of me, right? Like one of my mantras is, I am a soul, I have, I have a body, right? Like I am a soul, I have a body. So we think of it as a very elevated soul and it is. But the soul, but it's still considered the lower soul when compared to the Shabbat soul that comes into us. And that lower soul that we have during the week is the soul where all of the anxiety, all of the stress, all, any of that, all of those nerves, any of those feelings of like, I need to, all those things that Shlomo was describing, all of those exist when we're in the realm of our lower soul. 
But on Shabbat, the second that we bless, you know, we give the blessing on the candles and we ignite that soul within ourselves. And by the way, we always say that fire represents the soul of man, right? We always talk about Kiner Hashem Nishmat Adam, the candle of God, the fire of God is the soul of man. So fire and soul is very much connected. So when you take that spark and you light the Shabbat candle and you ignite that higher soul, if you're able to tap into what that soul is offering, then essentially you're able to go beyond what the lower soul would normally feel of all that, those anxiety and stress and all of those feelings. And the higher soul understands that we're now moving away from all of those feelings. Uh, the lower soul is tapped into what we would call hishtadlut. It's our efforts. Everything that we have to do in this world that has to get done, like we need to make, we need to make a living, things need to happen, right? We got to be doers. We got to be creating. There's always stuff that needs to happen. And our lower soul is tapped into that, which is why it's so much in the realm of that anxiety. But on Shabbat, it supersedes that. It goes above and beyond. Now, I, I want to weigh in over here because, again, what, when we start talking about souls, I sometimes get concerned, like, you know, what, what's going on here? You know, why the Bucks Pound's getting all, like, you know, hippie, <laughs> right? And the reality is that I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to date myself, right? But, you know, back in the 60s, bottom line is, right, all of us, we were, we, we realized, we realized back then that, you know, there's something bigger out there. And you might look at me and you might be like, what does this guy know about the 60s? A little picture. I'm in my 30s. <laughs> it's not my fault that God put, took a soul right out of the 60s and put it in his body. Okay. But the reality is that there was once a time that people, again, led mostly by Jews, um, often Jews who were not looking at Judaism because unfortunately in the despiritualization of Judaism in America, we lost our grasp of, of, of spirituality. But yet, when we go back, there was a time, there was a place where people genuinely, genuinely believed that you can reach a part of yourself that is so much higher than your mundane existence. You can get there. And the first step of really experiencing life in full color, right, in full Wi-Fi, is to realize that we do, we are so much bigger. We're so much bigger. There's so much more to us. And we always have to be reaching towards that. And Shabbat is a window into the opportunity by doing these things. And again, and it starts when we close our eyes to light those candles. And the act of closing one's eyes after, after one lights the candle is the idea of saying, I'm closing my eyes on the week. I'm allowing my six days of the week, my doing this, my, 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 my days of the weakness, I'm allowing that to go to sleep. And I'm awakening this deeper part of myself. I'm allowing this light that's what I just mentioned represents my soul and, and, and this higher soul of mine, this enlightened soul. I'm, I, I want to connect to that. I want to yearn for that. And then by the time Shabbat is over, by the time Shabbat is over, I don't just have two candles. I have this burning flame because now these two souls have fused into one and that's the soul that I take with me into the week. Hopefully that makes sense. Any questions about lighting the candles before we move on?
So just on a very practical level, when when we go like this, you know, there's like the ushering in of Shabbat, and then kind of we close our eyes over the candles. So something very beautiful just to have in mind, please God, when you light candles this week, is really just the thinking of, okay, now I'm bringing in this extra soul, this extra soul is entering into my body, and all of that mode, that whole mode that I've been in up until now from the last days of the week, I'm now, it's, it's as soon as I open my eyes, it's going to be behind me, and I'm entering into this new realm. And just because one doesn't necessarily feel it every single week or every single time, just because you're not feeling the spiritual experience doesn't mean you're not having one. We've said this many times, and I want to reiterate this. Spiritual experiences aren't necessarily just like something that I can activate on a dime. You know, having a spiritual experience is like going to the gym. I'm not suddenly, you know, my biceps aren't suddenly exploding and I'm not, you know, revealing my sexy body because I just spent 45 minutes in the gym. Again, it's a slow process. It's a drip drip. And it's like watching a clock where you don't see it moving, but then you're like, wow, an hour just went by. And spiritual growth is the same way. It's a slow drip drip process. And then after a long time, right, it, 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 it builds, it snowballs. And you're like, wow, when I'm looking back over the last six months, I cannot believe that I went from here to here. I feel so much more connected. I feel so much, so much bigger. Okay, the next, uh, the next phase after that is to make Kiddush. Um, if you don't know Hebrew, we shared, we shared it on, on the Facebook page and we'll share it again with everyone tomorrow. Um, there's so many resources and the Shabbat Project has given great, great resources um, to, uh, to, what's that? Oh, sorry. To, to uh, the Shabbat Project. You need a typo. The Shabbat Project <laughs> has offered many resources um, to make everything that you want to do with Shabbat easy. Um, Kiddush is very underrated. You know, I think that everyone recognizes the beauty to lighting candles. It's important to note that of the actual um, traditions that we have on Shabbat, Kiddush is actually the only one that is directly from the Torah itself. The other ones are Jewish traditions that come from their Jewish traditions, which means they're, they're ancient and they're just as old and they're also from the rabbis who see it in the Torah. But the one that's directly most connected to a Torah commandment is Kiddush. And the idea behind making Kiddush is that the way that we bring out, the way that we awaken the soul, the higher soul side of us is through the power of speech. We've spoken in many of our classes about how our words are able to ignite things. The Hebrew word for word is, for speech is dibor, for an object it's davar. Every single word that we speak, we're creating things with our words. And then when we make Kiddush, which is just a blessing on wine, what we do is we hold the cup, right? We hold it just like this, like you see in the picture. And the reason that we do that is when you put your hands like this, you're in the receiving position. However you spell receive, right? You're receiving. The idea is that you're holding it and that you're creating this beautiful vessel. You're turning your world into a vessel to receive the divine flow represented by the wine that you're pouring in, right? Hashem, God, here I am. I'm, I've emptied myself out. I'm not thinking about the week. I'm not thinking about my job. I'm not thinking about what I have to do. I'm all yours. I'm wide open. 
now I'm ready for you to pour into me. Anyone who's gone to any sort of yoga, if you have any yoga practice, if you have any mindfulness practice, if you have any meditation practice, you've been instructed to do this, to learn how to cleanse yourself, to clear yourself out, to make yourself an empty vessel. When you make yourself empty, you allow this energy, you allow the spirit to, to come through you. But that's what's happening when we make Kiddush. And again, it's easy. It's just making a blessing. It's, um, you can say it in, you can even say it in English. If you're not comfortable with saying it in the transliterated Hebrew, you could say it in English. It can be as simple as just making a Hagafen. But when you're doing that, you hold the cup and you say, here I am, I'm ready, I, I, I want to receive. I'm open to receiving. Next, the challah. Alrighty, so here we talk about bringing blessing to our sustenance. You know, anybody who's baked challah with me, I've shared many, many different ideas on the things that we have in mind during the actual challah bake. But now what I want to talk about is the actual challah at, on Shabbat that we eat, right? So first of all, um, I don't think everybody knows this, but we actually have at, at our Shabbat, on Shabbat when we actually have challah, we bring two, not four, two, two challahs to the table, okay? There always should be two. It's called lechem mishnah, double portion. Even if you're not going to slice both of them open, it's traditional to bring both. So what I want to say is that when we say the blessing on this bread, hamotzi lechem min haaretz, which literally means he who takes out the bread from the earth, right? That it comes from the earth. But we also know that the Hebrew word lechem, bread, is very much connected to the Hebrew word milchama, which means war. And that is that bread kind of represents that, that struggle, that, that we have to work hard for our sustenance, right? If you're following on the tour of Torah with me, you know that the curse that we got when, when Adam and Eve ate from that tree, right? Man now has to work and we have to work for our sustenance. We have to work hard to be able to provide and that's the struggle. But on Shabbat, we bring in double portion bread where God literally blesses our sustenance. It's like the manna in the desert and that manna was a gift from the Almighty that came down before Shabbat as a special gift to the Jewish people, double portion, to show on Shabbat you're not going to have to go out and collect any. I'm going to gift you with this special extra blessing, this special bracha of double portions so that you'll have it. So when we bring those two chalas to our table, we're remembering that special gift that we get on Shabbat where, wait a second, today is the day that I step back from creating, where God showers me with extra blessing, and we're reminded about that through the, the bread that we, the challah bread that we bring to our tables. Yeah, so there's a question on the side. Is, is this the order of saying the prayers? Curious why. Yes, so, the, so we actually did it in order, and it's lighting the candles, making Kiddush, and then making the bracha, making the blessing on the challah. The reason is that on Shabbat, because we're making the transition, what we're trying to do is we're stepping out of the week. And what we're doing is we're going, we're trying to, to sort of reach up and bring the spirituality, bring our higher souls into our life, down to the lowest places. So 
the lighting of the candles is the, the candle itself represents that pure inner spiritual spark. I'm igniting this inside of me. I want to reach up. The very first act of creation, if you go through the Torah, those who go to the Torah, Torah you know this, right? The very, or who've been to the Kabbalah class, the very first moment of creation, the day one, the first act of creation is God says, let there be light, which is obviously a light of spirituality put, being put into this world. Let there be light. So the first thing that we do on Shabbat is let there be light. Let's light, let's ignite that spark. Then the idea of making Kiddush is okay. Now, once that spark is ignited, now I want to empty myself out to bring in the blessing through my words down to the lowest places. The bread, like Zavar just said, the bread is my sustenance, right? All of the things I worked all week to get that paycheck. But I want this paycheck. Before I go out and spend this paycheck, God, I want to know that this is with your blessing. I want to know that I did it right. I want to remind myself that, you know what? Yeah, I did a good job this week to get this paycheck. But you know what? God, you helped me a lot. So I'm bringing it down into, into the challah, into the lowest places, into my sustenance, into my lechem, my milchama. Hamotzi lechem in arts. God, you help me bring out the lechem, bring out the bread, bring out the, the fight in me. And so it's, it, we're, we're, we're sort of drawing it down, okay? Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Okay, good. Fantastic. Any other questions before we move on? We're almost done with the presentation, and then we'll open it up if anyone has yes. any questions not in the presentation. Yeah. Any questions here? This, yeah. This, this is not a question, but somebody said to me years ago, to help remember the order, the challah stays covered, it's embarrassed because it's last. Uh, yeah, yeah, there is that. There is that. We're sensitive, right? We cover it. By the way, there's another reason why we cover the challah. Also, there's another reason why why we cover it, and that is as a reminder that back in uh, that Dora mentioned the manna in the desert, which came out as a covering on the ground when the Jewish people went out. The Torah says the Jewish people came out, and it was like a, it sort of covered the ground. So they cover that almost as a throwback to what the manna represents, which is that all of our sustenance, even though we have to work hard for it, it's a reminder that really we do we do believe that every penny that goes into our bank account and every penny that goes out of our bank account, we do believe that it's from God. We do believe that very, very much. And if you pay close attention, the more that you pay close attention, the more that you will see it. You know, certainly we see it very much in our own life, you know, and, and, and life, life is expensive. And you really see the hand of God woven in. And, and, and you know, the, again, the, 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 the bank account is the greatest, greatest um, uh, testimony, testimonial to God's hand woven into our life. And that's what, what's represented by, by the challah. I want to say something. Yeah. Um, you know? Yeah. You hear me? I hear you. <laughs> uh, just a minute, I'll get back to you. Um, okay, you guys will uh, just be quick, okay? Because we're running late. Or, or Yechazka, we could present the last couple ideas, and then we can. Okay. We, is that okay? Okay. Yeah, okay. okay. Fine. Here we go. Before oh yes, this is our Shabbat family. Our weekday family versus our Shabbat family. You see it? This is a very important lesson here. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we look during the week, and suddenly in Shabbat, this is exactly, this is us. You know, it's very, very hard to transition from weekday mode 
into Shabbat mode. It's a big transition. And uh, one of the things that is important is the presentation. We've discussed this in the past. If everyone's showing up, if you're just sort of rolling into it and everyone looks the same and everyone's dressed the same and you're just still in that mode, it's very, very hard to say, okay, I'm getting into that space. Part of the beauty of Shabbat is this transition. There's no Torah that you can celebrate Shabbat in your jeans. You can celebrate Friday night in your pajamas. You can. I'm not going to say that there's anything wrong with that. But if you want to fully experience the beauty of Shabbat, there is something absolutely beautiful to lighting the candles, looking around, and everybody looks just their finest. We're honoring Shabbat. Right? And, and everyone, we have special, my kids have, have this is something, we got to grow up with this, maybe I was just the youngest child, but, you know, Dvar obviously did, like our kids have Shabbat pajamas, they do, they have special Shabbat pajamas, and like, they're like these snazzy pajamas, their, their, their Shabbat pajamas cost more than a lot of my suits, <laughs> like I cannot believe that you bought these, but they do, and, and those of you who joined, but there's something beautiful about the idea that we're coming, we're not going out, we're not going out, but they look like they're like we're going out. Their, their, their hair is nice. They showered. By the way, the idea, and again, I know, you know, I, maybe this, this sounds silly to some, but there is this idea about showering before Shabbat, cleansing yourself right from just the, the your, your weekday mindset, but coming into Shabbat and making a big deal about it, making it feel different. The vibe is different. For those of you who, who are familiar with our house, right? We have different light. We, we, we have spotlights on during the week. And then on Shabbat, we put on the chandelier. We have different lighting that we have in our house on Shabbat. We have a tablecloth. The, the, the vibe is different. And the more that you figure out how to create that vibe in your home, the more that you'll be able to instantaneously make that shift from weekday mode to Shabbat mode. So it really is... Um, it's it, it it's an important it's an important part of Shabbat. I think that that's uh, the end of my little slideshow here. So I mean, at this point in time, again, I, I just want to emphasize, and then we'll open it up to to any questions about anything. It could be about the presentation or about any other aspects of of, of Shabbat. But I mean, in terms of Jewish identity, and again, many of of us over here on the call still have children at home. Um, and even if we don't, if you have children at home, or if you're just doing it for yourself, right, your Jewish identity is just as important for you as your kid's Jewish identity. Um, I, I would say that if one studies the Torah well, and you look at all of the mitzvot, and you look at all the Jewish traditions, I think that you would come to the conclusion on your own. I, 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 I say this um, with hesitation, because I don't want to say anything that anyone would find offensive, or but I don't believe that you will find that there's anything woven that's as woven and that's as closely connected to our Jewish identity as Shabbat. Like I said, it's right there in the Ten Commandments. What other mitzvah is there on the Ten Commandments? What other mitzvah is called a gift from God? What other mitzvah is referred to as it's got its blessing, it's holy? This is so woven in. And and it, it's it's not about the religious aspect of Judaism. It's about being a human being, being an enlightened human being, being tuned in. 
Um, it, it's, it's, it's so important. And therefore, I would just say, I would, I would encourage again and again that whatever we can do, just to have constant growth in this area and to give that over to our children. It is something that is so amazing, so wonderful, and so unique. And definitely, in terms of my life, in terms of our life as a family, I don't believe that there is anything that has contributed as much to our joy and to our growth as a family uh, as, as Shabbat. I would definitely agree with that. And I just reiterate, like what I said before, that, you know, it's not all or nothing, but it can't, I don't think it can just be something that's kind of just like, you know, snuck in there, like, like we got that in, like, you know, like, like nothing, you know, because it's very hard to really tap into it. So the more consistent that you can tap into any piece of it, and when I say tap in, I mean on the mindfulness level as well then even if it's short, even if it's brief, but if you're able to create somewhat of a vibe, somewhat of an energy, and keep it up consistently, I mean, there is no way that it can't do something. Even though you might not feel it right away, it's definitely going to make an impact.